60,000 is brought to you in part by RP Funding. RP Funding Inc. is licensed and can offer loans in Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Kentucky, Louisiana, North Carolina, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia, and West Virginia, and is also licensed by the Mississippi Department of Banking and Consumer Finance and by the Pennsylvania Department of Banking and Securities. Office is located at 500 Wonderly Place, Suite 300, Maitland, Florida, 32751. Telephone 321-397-4420. RP Funding's nationwide mortgage licensing system ID number is 70168, and Robert Palmer's NMLS ID number is 76197. We're saving thousands with Robert Palmer right here on the Saving Thousands Radio Network. What does that mean? That means that as of today, you take over your money. You get in command. You become proactive when it comes to money. And at the end of the week, the end of the month, the end of the year, you are going to have more money and you'll have peace of mind. That's right. Are you one of those people that's hesitant to go to the mailbox? Are you one of those people that when you see an unfamiliar number pop up on your phone, you're worried that it's a bill collector? Are you one of those people that doesn't even pay your credit card bill until you get a reminder? Well, see, that is not being proactive. And in the end, that costs you money. You've got to get on top of your money. You've got to take charge. And it's really easy when you listen to Robert Palmer. Now, today, Robert's going to be talking about some things that affect your life. And if they haven't yet, they could. We'll talk about the huge problems caused by these so-called for-profit colleges. We'll talk about Wall Street being back in the real estate market, but the public sector, well, not so much. Let's look into why so many mortgage companies charge you outlandish fees so when you buy a house, you're getting a lot less house and you're paying a lot more fees. That's not fair. We'll talk about how satisfied customers begin with a happy staff company and RP funding is getting better and better known in the real estate industry for saving deals and getting them closed on time and is better known even for their pre-approval process that is solid. Let's start off the show. Robert, a lot of headlines recently on problems in the student loan industry, a lot of problems, but you saw this meltdown coming about six years ago when we talked about it on the radio. The problem here is, uh, you know, with the mortgage crisis, it was the the lender was to blame, right? The person who actually loaned the money was to blame, where in this situation, the lender is is the federal government under most of these programs. Yeah. Uh, you know, so how are, how are they going to punish themselves? Uh, you know, this is a little different because the, this is the, the, the recipient of the funds, right? Which in the mortgage would have been the home seller. You know, that's basically who perpetrated most of this. And, and the student loan is just kind of a you know, uh, a byproduct of it. But uh, there, there's apparently uh, over $1.2 trillion in student loans outstanding, Rob. And and this $1.2 trillion, all right? So again, this is this is a potential disaster waiting to happen. Uh, you know, years and years ago, it was only in the couple hundred million range, and now we're up to over $1.2 trillion. Uh, and so what I look at is, I mean, whenever something grows that quickly, you got to take a look at it, right? I mean, when Whenever there's such a, a, a strong growth, we saw it with mortgages, mortgage, outstanding mortgage balances swelled at an alarming rate and it led to the bubble. Student loan outstanding balances swelled at an alarming rate, uh, which is, is leading to this next bubble. You know, this one hasn't really caught on yet, Rob, and it's coming. I mean, I think it's coming. I think enough people are affected. I'm surprised it's taken this long, uh, but I think we're going to hear more about this and see more about this. I'm, I'm disappointed that the mainstream media has not is not out there beating this drum. Particularly, you know, if you think about it, there's there's now 40, what I say, 40,000 people out there uh, who should be able to get their their loan forgiven uh, if they were at one of the Corinthian schools that meets this certain set of criteria just released by the the uh, Department of Education, but but who, you know, who's spreading that word? Who's letting these people know? You know, why aren't why aren't we out there beating the drum? Why aren't we out there letting everyone know? I'm going to do my part. You know, I'm letting the 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 couple hundred thousand listeners I have here on the Saving Thousands Radio Network know what's going on. Uh, but we need more than that. We need more people getting involved. Uh, I think at at the end of the day, uh, a lot of our rules can protect, uh, could have protected people from falling victim to these, right, Rob? You know, if, mm-hmm. if we look at rule number one, shopping around, you know, when, when you look at a for-profit college and it costs, you know, 10 times as much as your local community college, that's probably not a very good deal. Yeah, you probably should shop around and, and rethink that and and not sign up for the, the the online college that costs 10 times more than community college. That's not a good deal. Uh, the three-day waiting rule number three, waiting three days to think about this. A lot of people uh, were sold into uh, the for-profit colleges using high-pressure sales techniques, trying to close them immediately on the phone. Uh, you know, if you if you take your three days to think about it, if you follow rule number three, uh, that can be a big benefit. 
uh, you know, checking out, Googling scam, Googling reviews. I'm sure there's a lot of people sharing their their negative uh, experiences with these colleges online. And, uh, you know, that that's we've got to be we've got to be more empowered consumers. I mean, these these colleges were preying on financial zombies. You know, they were preying on people's desperation. Mm -hmm. They were forcing people to make quick decisions without weighing their options. They were, you know, they were definitely trying to keep you from shopping around. They didn't want you to do your research. They didn't want you to do your homework. They wanted you to sign on the bottom line, strap yourself with debt. Uh, and then they were laughing all the way to the bank uh, three and a half billion dollars later, again, at just one for-profit uh, organization. And I'm not even sure if they're the largest, Rob. I mean, there, there's lots of other big ones out there. And like I said, they're... I'm sure there are some people out there doing a fine job, you know, just like in, in any industry. When you look at the mortgage industry, there were people doing a good job uh, all through the the crisis that right. didn't get involved in the subprime and the toxic mortgages. Uh, but it's the bad actors uh, who are going to, you know, the problem is the bad actors seem to have the the meteoric rise to success because, you know, when you have three and a half billion dollars to play with, uh, you can do a lot to grow and 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 set up more fake sites to get resumes and run more radio, TV, and, and you know, internet ads and everything else. A lot of internet advertising was dumped into this. And so the guys who are playing by the rules and doing it right don't have near the budget, so they don't grow as fast and they don't blow up as fast. And what you see is some of the bad actors become some of the largest companies in an industry, and, and it's frustrating. And I think this, this all comes down to enforcement. If the government is going to back something like student loans or back something like mortgages, they've got to enforce it. You know, If they just want to let the private sector do their thing, uh, you know, if, if if the government wasn't backing student loans and it was mm -hmm. all private money, uh, then who cares? But let me tell you, private money is smart, you know, and, and private money would not have allowed. I mean, could you imagine uh, a, a company, uh, a, a privately owned corporation dumping three and a half billion dollars of their capital into this scheme with Corinthian before they figured it out? I, I don't think so. No, way. I don't think it would have taken a private company five years to figure this out. Nope. And, and so this, again, is if our government's going to play in these financial industries, which I think there are some benefits to, I think there are some times when it's necessary, they've got to be willing to enforce it. And they've got to be able to enforce it and smart enough to enforce it and have the right rules in place. Uh, and, and again, we did not have that when it came to for-profit colleges. So this is this is uh, our next big problem, Rob. We're going to continue well, to follow it here on Saving Thousands Radio. Again, I'm meeting with a, a group of attorneys to discuss uh, what possible relief students have, what advice they can give. I'm going to I'm going to work with them to hopefully put together a roadmap that we can give to uh, that we can give to our students. Again, if someone out there listening has a copy of a, a student loan promissory note, if you would email that to me at askrp at rpfunding.com, I would appreciate it. I'm sure we can get our hands on one, but it would obviously help if somebody out there provided one. Uh, and again, if you've got questions or comments, you can text those in at 35353. That's our short code text line, 35353. So keep listening to Saving Thousands, and Robert will keep us up to date on his research into how some of you may have a remedy if you got caught up in this student loan mess and what a mess it is. But I think one of the most interesting concepts here is the fact that Robert saw this coming six years ago, which shows that when you're listening to Robert Palmer, you're listening to a true student of economic trends and a guy who can kind of direct you toward many, many avenues of winning. Let me give you the number right now to RP Funny. It gives me a great deal of pleasure to do that. 855-773-8634. 855-773-8634. Hey, this comes from Dylan. I just started my first real job out of college, 25 years old. At what age should I start looking at opening up a 401k? I do have student loans and other monthly bills that I feel I should pay first before starting a retirement account. Yeah, so here, here's what I'll tell you. Uh, depending on the interest rates on those student loans and on those credit cards, you should absolutely take care of your debt first. Uh, you know, now now if you have uh, if you have zero percent interest rate cards, if you have very low student loan rates, so let's let's say the benchmark is six or seven percent, mm -hmm. right? I mean, let, the market can conservatively earn you six or seven percent a year. Inflation's three. We'll call a good return on the market six or seven. So if any of those debts are above six or seven percent then you want to pay them off first. Because even with the tax benefits and everything else, uh, you want to get out of that debt first. Now, if you have a, a mortgage at a low rate, if you have a car loan at a very low rate, I wouldn't worry about those. But if you have high interest rate credit card debt or high interest rate student loans, you should absolutely take care of those first uh, before you start building your retirement account. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, that, that that's that's my belief. That's what I've personally done along my life. Uh, you know, if you get into debt, cut back the cut back the cut back the withdrawals, cut back the four hundred one k contributions, and try to make it up later. Uh, because your money is more powerful when you don't have outstanding debt. Have credit, but don't have debt. Mm-hmm. You know, don't have bad debt. Don't have high interest rate debt. We're all gonna have some debt. I mean, I, I think a mortgage is is great because there's tax benefits. There's there's all these things to having a mortgage. Uh, very low car loans are good. You know, some of these you know manufacturers you can get a car loan at a two point nine percent for five years or yeah. or zero percent for five years. I mean, there's no you would be foolish to turn that kind of cheap money down. Uh, but if you have credit cards at 15, 17, 20, 29, student loans, some are some government insured student loans are very low rates, some are very high rates. Uh, you've got to weigh that in and make sure that your high interest rate debt is taken care of before you focus on saving for retirement. Now, I want to talk a little bit about those of you that are out there. You really want to buy a house. You know that that's the American dream. You want to put a nail in the wall when you want to. You don't want to worry about a landlord. You just want to own your own home. You want to have your own piece of the American dream. And yet, you haven't acted on it. It's just simpler maybe month to month to pay the rent. Maybe think about buying that house down the road. Well, quit kicking the can down the road. I know some of you have no idea if you can get approved for a loan. Some of you have no idea how much of a loan you could get. And yet, you're paying upwards of 1000 to $1,500 a month in rent. Wow, that could be one whale of a house payment. Maybe you're already in a home, but you bought it way before the crash. And then the crash happened and you lost your equity. Well, now that equity's back, but maybe you don't know that. Well, with any doubts that you have, with any questions you have, there is a resource. And that is the Robert Palmer family of companies where you can place a no obligation conversation call to 855-773-8634. Try it today. You'll find that customer service is what it's all about, and consumer empowerment is even more important. Well, Robert, I'm noticing the headlines. Huge financial companies are buying up all kinds of real estate right now. They are leading the charge in getting us back into real estate. But the public sector is really lagging behind. What's your take? Where Wall Street has come back uh, to be not so afraid of housing, the, the consumer really hasn't. Uh, you know, we're not seeing millennials come out and buy the way they should. Uh, you know, this is the whole reason for rule number seven, own real estate sooner, not later. Uh, when you look at the wealth being created, right? So, yeah, we had that period where there was a lot of wealth eliminated by housing. Uh, what we find is, Rob, what I find from my personal experience is most people didn't buy the house at that high, high value. They remortgaged the house at that high, high value and got a bunch of tax-free cash that they used uh, to do other things with, right? Right. And now there are some people who bought at the top, but for most people, if, if you look at the number of people that are upside down and underwater, were underwater during the, the, the lowest point in the market, that many people didn't buy houses during the boom. So a lot of those people were upside down because they had gotten second mortgages, they had remortgaged and cashed out their property, uh, and then the values dropped. So when we really look at, see, those people actually made money off the deal, right? I mean, they mm-hmm. so they bought the house for 200 and then it shot up to 400 and they borrowed an extra 100,000 against it, used it to go buy, you know, whatever, a boat, a jet ski, a new car, and then lost the house in foreclosure but probably kept the boat, the jet ski, the new car, whatever it is. That's not everybody, but there are people who fall in that category. And so when we look at housing over the long term, uh, it really only creates winners. You know, if if you look at it over 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, if you carve out the four years of absolute pain, which I will say ran from 2007 to 2011, right? Somewhere in there, maybe maybe 8 to 12, somewhere in there. Uh, but people who bought after that are doing great, and people who bought before that uh, and didn't re-cash out and, and raise their mortgage balance, they're doing okay too. So uh, housing is a great thing, and, and housing is, is such a key part of this country's wealth creation and the American dream – uh, you know, we, we've talked about examples where if a $200,000 house only goes up in value 3% a year, that's $6,000. Over 10 years, it's going to compound and end up being more like $70,000 because you're getting gains on the gains, right? It's compound interest. It's compound appreciation. You know, where else can the average person pick up an extra $70,000 in net worth <laughs> over 10 years without putting a dime into savings, making the same exact payment they would have made if they were renting 
right? That's the key. If, if renting was way cheaper, then we wouldn't be having this conversation, right? Rob, if I could, if I could rent the house for, let's see. So if we're talking about uh, 6,000 a year in appreciation on a $200,000 house, we got 12 months. You're talking about 500 bucks a month that, that your house is, is going up in value on a $200,000 home with a, a, a normal 3% appreciation, mm-hmm. which we really haven't seen. We've seen more than that, uh, but we're going to be conservative and say 3%. So that's 500 bucks a month. So if you could rent for 1000 a month and the, the house was going to cost you 1500 a month for similar living conditions, right? Then at the end of that 10 years, you would have, it would be a wash, right? Because the, the renter would have saved the $60,000. The owner has gained uh, the $60,000 in appreciation plus whatever they've paid down the mortgage. Uh, so it, it's a much closer wash. But what we're seeing today is for a similar property, the rent is actually more than the mortgage payment, right? I mean, you Wait. see this, Rob. You're, you're in tune more. with what's going on in, in the market. So today, that 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 house, the mortgage payment's 1500 bucks. The rent payment's probably fifteen, maybe $1,600. And again, at the end of the 10 years, the renter doesn't have the equity. The renter doesn't have the lower mortgage balance. I mean, even after 10 years, you're going to pay down probably, you know, you would think, oh, 30-year mortgage. After 10 years, I'll have paid down one-third. It doesn't really work that way no. uh, because you, in the early days, you pay uh, less toward principal because it's going toward interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you probably will pay down about 15% of the value. So that $200,000 house after 10 years, we've probably paid down the balance by $30,000 and it's gone up in value by like $70,000 because the, you know, so the reason it's not just 6,000 a year, Rob, is so the first year it goes from 200 to 206. Mm-hmm. Well, now the next year, the 3% is off of 206. So now it's like $6,180 that it goes up, right? And so it goes up a little more each year because it's worth more and more every year. So you're talking probably $70,000 increase in value over 10 years on a $200,000 house using a conservative 3% appreciation and then you're going to pay down the mortgage like 30 grand uh, on a 30-year fixed rate mortgage just by making your normal payments. If you throw in an extra payment a year, uh, you can really accelerate that and have even more equity. But you're talking about $100,000 yeah. in wealth for doing the same thing you would have done if you were a renter, mailing in a check every month for $1,500. Great consumer advice from Robert Palmer. Well, I'm glad you're listening to the radio show. And I hope that by now you've discovered savingthousands.com. If you haven't, well, if you're not driving right now, open up your computer, open up your smartphone, your tablet, whatever, to savingthousands.com. You spell out the word thousands, okay? All of a sudden, you'll see a picture of Robert Palmer and various headlines. Above that, you'll see some tabs that are very, very helpful to you. There's the rules tab that takes you to the saving thousands rules to success. There's the radio show tab. Pretty self-explanatory. You touch on that and you'll get a list of previous shows that we've done. Station listing. Yeah, that's right. This is not the only radio station that covers this show, but it's one of our favorites. But if you're going to be traveling around, look up the station listing and you can always have your daily dose of consumer empowerment with RP funding. There's Ask Robert. What's that all about? Well, if you click on it, there will be a form that pops up that you can fill out with total confidence that your information will be held in confidence. It will not be leaked. Your name will not be sold to anyone. You're not going to get a sales call. You're simply asking a question of Robert Palmer. He's going to directly answer your question to you privately. But then, without using your name, And without in any way saying who you are, that may be a topic that comes up in a future show. Maybe it's like, Robert, how do I calculate the fees if I'm going for a refi? Well, he'll answer that, but we may enter into some refi conversation on the show. It's as simple as that. Well, Robert, we've been doing shows together for over eight years. And people still come up to me, and they still come up to you, and they say, how come RP funding charges no junk fees? But all these other mortgage companies do. Robert, how do you make it work? And, and what, what I figured out, Rob, is the reason most mortgage companies have to charge all these fees and make all this money per transaction uh, is two things. Two things. Number one, they run very inefficiently. Mm-hmm, all right. Mm-hmm. Very, very inefficiently. And I think what happens is when companies have too much money like that, it allows them to run inefficiently. So they do. 
you know, they don't use technology correctly. You know, they they don't use the right, they don't have the right type of management in place. They don't have the right type of employees in place. And, and they don't have the right type of systems in place. And so what happen is like a file will sit on someone's desk for two weeks without being touched. Well, then that creates a fire drill now to get it closed even late. Mm-hmm. And, and that wastes resources. That's inefficient. So one is they're very inefficient. And the number two is they pay way too much commission to the sales guy. Right. And, and this is the, I mean, I, I got this letter recently. Uh, so I, I'm a licensed loan originator in addition to owning RP funding. And uh, so I got a letter, a recruitment letter from a competitor. And it's like, dear Robert Palmer, it said, if you aren't making 400 basis points per closing and commission, you are being cheated by your employer and you aren't making enough. Now, for our listening public, 400 basis point means 4%. So on a $200,000 loan, my commission, if I worked for this company, would be $8,000 by closing Mm. one $200,000 loan. $8,000 thousand dollars in commission commission crazy. it's crazy i mean it's insane and and so there this is obviously very attractive to some salespeople. sure so what but what they don't understand is the fees and the rates and the points and the craziness that you have to charge a consumer in order to be able to pay your sales guy a commission of eight thousand dollars on a single mortgage that maybe took three or four hours of their time to work on is crazy. Whoa. So my average cost for my salespeople, it's like six hundred bucks, six hundred and fifty bucks a transaction. It's not eight thousand, right? Mm-hmm. So where does the other seven thousand four hundred go? Well, a lot of it goes in discounts to my consumer. I don't charge go. them the crazy fees. I don't jack up the interest rates. I'm not a vampire like the competitors are, right? And then on the flip side, uh, some of it goes into advertising because I got to tell the world that I'm not a vampire, right? I got to tell the world that we don't charge fees. That they can get a better deal by calling RP Funding, by picking up the phone right now and calling 855-773-8634, 855-RP-Funding, mm-hmm. 855-773-8634. That's the phone number to make sure you don't make a sales guy an $8,000 commission on your $200,000 loan. I mean, the real estate agent only makes three percent. I was gonna say, and this guy's trying to make, and that's the total real estate company, like, like the so the the buyer's agent and the buyer's agent's broker, like the whole the whole buy side company mm-hmm. makes three percent. This four percent is just the sales guy. It's not talking about any profit for the company he works for mm-hmm. or money to pay the staff or anything else, or they're just a middleman, so then money to make the next guy they pay to. I mean, I would have to say. That for a company to pay a loan officer an eight thousand dollar commission on a single closing, they are probably making fourteen or fifteen thousand dollars, seven or eight percent. So how much do they have to charge you in fees? Mm-hmm. And how high does the interest rate have to be to make that much money to pay the sales guy? Eight, and, and I got this letter, and I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking like, there is really some clown out there offering to pay mortgage salespeople eight thousand oh. dollars. On a $200,000 loan. And I'm sure he got a lot of phone calls, right? Because mm-hmm. if I'm the average mortgage sales guy, I'm like, well, well, hey, <laughs> be right you know, I closed uh, I closed three last month. And uh, three times 8000 is 24000 I can make 300 Gs a year. I'm going to go work over for this guy, right? Who cares how much my customer has to pay? Yeah. Wrong. I mean, come on. So that's, you know? that's, that is that much or that much less of a home that the home buyer can get. Yeah. And now let, let me let me tell you, Rob, I am not against profit. I am not against capitalism. I am all for free market. But there are there have to be limits. I mean, God. when it is egregious. And and the thing is, here's what they know. They know that home buyers are not that informed when it comes to mortgage pricing. And they know that mm-hmm. if a real estate agent recommends them as the lender, the chance of the consumer shopping around and discovering that they are being overcharged by some eight thousand dollars is slim to none and right. that's that is the what I, the part i have a problem with is they are preying on the naivety of the first time home buyer mm-hmm. right and this is the last person in our economy we should be preying on right now right we yeah. need more first time home buyers we need more people out there mm-hmm. buying houses we need more young people more millennials more people motivated and want to get out there and buy a home and be homeowners you know there there are some crazy statistics rob about the amount of of uh, of impact on our economy 
that a home has, right? And when someone mm-hmm. buys a home, when you build a new home, it, it's a much bigger impact. And and homeowners become part of a community. And all these things happen that don't happen when they're renting. And so getting people to transition from renting to owning is is a key thing to our economy recovering. And it is not going to happen if we are preying on first-time home buyers by trying to overcharge them $8,000 so we can pay an egregious commission to a sales guy. And, see, and so here's the deal. Why does this company do this? Because they have no other business, right? They don't oh, do anything yeah. good for consumers. They don't do anything in the community. They, I, don't even, I think they're based out of somewhere in California or whatever, right? But they're sending letters to loan officers in Central Florida trying to get them to switch to their company and bring all of their business with them so they can overcharge the customer and pay that loan officer an $8,000 commission. And it makes me sick. Yeah. And so I I tore that letter up, Rob. I shredded it. I tore it right up. And then I came to work and I asked asked all of my staff how many of them got the letter. And about two-thirds of them got the letter which means the other one-third have a different address on their licensing application than where they actually live today, or their wife threw it away, or their husband threw it away before they read it. But So, again, they're sending this letter out to everybody. And and I, I mm. checked, and this company is actually doing some business now. They are closing some transactions, and it makes me sick. It makes me sick, Rob. And See? so the most important thing, all right, people, like, this is not about, hey, use RP funding. This is about, hey, shop around. Don't get screwed. Don't get taken advantage of. Don't let somebody make $8,000 on your one transaction as a first-time home buyer because you were too lazy or too stupid to call around and get the get the facts, get the truth. Call me, don't call me, but call somebody else. Call two or three companies. Line the deals up side by side and figure out if one of these guys is trying to take advantage of you because let me tell you that $8,000 by the time you pay off a 30-year mortgage it's probably $80,000, right? A lot of money. Because you're paying interest on the money that they made off of you up front, right? And it's, it's crazy. It is absolutely wow. crazy to me, but it still, it still happens today. And with all the regulation and after the crisis and the crash and everything else, there are still companies out there offering to pay these ridiculous commissions to try to get, try to get salespeople to leave where they're at now, to leave a company that probably gives their customer an okay deal, and go over here to where they're going to take advantage of the consumer. They're going to overcharge them. They're going to try to make their entire month's pay off of one transaction. So I guess they can spend the rest of the time sitting around eating Cheetos, drinking cold beer in their boxer shorts on their couch. Right? Wow. What else are you going to do with your life? Cheating the people. Right? You got you to gotta work hard, man. You got you to take care of people. So anyway, so that, that, that angers me. That's something you mm-hmm. got to watch out for. And it's simple to do, folks. Just shop around. Shop around indeed. You know, that is one of the... Saving Thousands Rules to Success, which you can find right there at SavingThousands.com. We were talking about that just in the past break, and I do want to kind of finish my description of what you're seeing because across the top of the homepage, we were talking about the tabs. The one on the upper right is very important. That's called the Home Value Hotline. What does that mean? That means that there are many companies out there who, uh, well, to put it simply, they're just trying to get your name and put it on some sort of of a resource list for the real estate world, for for the real estate industry. Where you see, if you go to one of those companies and you're seeking the value of your home, well, they get your name and they get an awful lot of information about you that they can then sell to other people in the financial industry. The Robert Palmer family of companies does not believe in doing business that way. If you want to know the value of your home, they will get it for you. Because if we continue to empower you If we continue to give you the tools of finance, hopefully at the end of the day, when you're shopping around, you may very well choose one of the Robert Palmer family of companies to fulfill your needs. So that's what it's all about. We want to be able to help you. And then look at all the players. And when you decide to make your move, you will be making an informed move, whether you choose RP funding or not. Okay. So anyway, We want to be able to give you the value of your home. So you just click on Home Value Hotline, totally confidential, and nobody's going to try to follow up and try to get you to buy anything. All right? Now, one of the things I've noticed, Robert, since I put my offices with your offices, is I've noticed that your company works extra hard enriching the relationship between the company and the customers. It's unbelievable the emphasis that is put on customer service. I'm telling you, Rob, customer satisfaction is such a, a key uh, a key thing for us. We you know we do systematic surveying of all of our clients, 
And uh, this is something I think every business should do. And uh, so if you're if you do business with someone and you don't get a survey afterwards, you should be skeptical of why. You know, so we we survey we give a little uh, a survey email to ask how the experience was after the first phone call, uh, to make sure that our upfront sales staff and our upfront customer service team are doing a good job, and then we do another survey right after closing, and and we actually base bonuses on those those results, Rob. We base promotions on those results. We take it very seriously. It's not just some number that gets thrown in a pile or some survey that no one ever reads. Uh, you know, it, it, we read that feedback. My executive mm-hmm. management team meets on those surveys. We have amazingly high scores. Uh, we use a system called Net Promoter Score, and uh, it, you basically you, you take your 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 pros and your detractors, and you run a formula on it. And we've got a very very high score, and I'm very proud of my staff for that. And and then we we look at it and we actually run the score on individual employees, and so we slice and dice the data, and then we also run the the score on combinations of employees. Right. And so we, we've oh. figured out that there's certain combinations of loan officer and processor that get lower scores than others. And so we so, you know, loan officer A may get perfect scores when he's teamed up with processor A and he may get a little bit lower score whenever he's teamed up with processor B. But then processor B may get perfect credit, may get perfect scores whenever she's teamed up with loan officer C. Mm-hmm. And so we've been able to slice and dice this data to give people the absolute best possible customer experience by using technology, by using customer feedback, and by making it a key point in our business. And this is something any small business owner should do. If you're listening to me right now and you own a small business, you owe it to yourself, you owe it to your customers to implement some kind of customer feedback system where you can track and you can monitor, and you can look for trends, because guess what, Rob? We found some employees we had to fire because of these, right? Because I'm not going to let one idiot screw up my reputation. Mm -hmm. I spent the last seven years building a reputation for having excellent customer service, for caring about my customer, and I can care all day long. What I figured out is one idiot working for me, if unmonitored and allowed to, can destroy that reputation and destroy that brand in minutes, right? All it takes is minutes. Mm-hmm. And so by monitoring these surveys, we've been able to route out some of the, the bad employees. And it's it, it, they're good at fooling us, right? Like if a manager is around, if I'm around, they are all smiles and happy. <laughs> but uh, they can't hide from the customers. And so we, we take that customer service feedback very, very seriously. And it's a, a key metric we use in, in employee performance and in company performance. And I watch them and I watch the trends. And if we tick down even a percent in that customer satisfaction uh, survey, I'm all over my executive management team. And then the problem is, you know, we, we do we do better and better and better, and we keep raising the bar and raising the bar, and I'm never, I'm never going to let it drop. I'm never going to let them drop that bar. Uh, we've got to have great service. We've got to be the total package. We've got to be honest and transparent. We've got to not charge fees. We've got to have great rates, and we've got to have great customer service. And that's what we're all about here at RP Funding. And you can reach us at 855-773-8634. That's 855-773-8634. Whether you're buying a home and need a mortgage loan, uh, interested in maybe exploring the idea of buying a home, or if you need to refinance, we've still got the no-closing-cost refi special going on. Our uh, license number is NMLS 70168 if you want to check us out. I'm Robert Palmer, President and CEO of RP Funding. And you're saving thousands with me here on the radio. And you carry the survey thing one more step for the consumer. See, folks, it's all coming down to one common denominator, isn't it? And that is that the consumer comes first, and we want you to be the most informed consumer ever. And the more radio stations we go to, the more magazines we put out there, the more public speaking Robert does, more and more people are becoming more educated, and they're getting better service to boot. And they're saving thousands. But let's go back to this survey for just a second, because that's how people can now find the finest realtor for their needs, all because you care. Yeah. So one of the other things is uh, we had this, we, we, we would have the occasional blip where someone would not give us a great score. And so we would dig in. Because uh, again, we, I look at these. We're, if someone doesn't give us a good score on the survey, if they're not happy, if they're not completely satisfied, we want to know why. You sure. know? And so we dig in. And so there were some where we were looking and we're like, wow, I mean, the, they, they, so we ask them to rate the overall, you know, experience. Mm-hmm. And then we ask them to rate the loan officer. We ask them to rate the processor. And so we would see some surveys where they would give the processor a perfect score and they would give the loan officer a perfect score, but then they wouldn't give the overall experience a, a perfect score. And, and, and they would give it like a five or a six, which we consider a failure because we failed to wow mm-hmm. you. We failed to impress you. We failed to make you a fan. And so we dug in and what we figured out is, 
when we reach out to them, because we call those people. When someone is not completely satisfied, they're getting a call from the executive management team. And what we what we found out in the early days is they had a bad experience with their real estate agent. And that bled over into their overall experience with the transaction. And so I had a light bulb go off and I said, well, hey, why don't we just start asking that in the survey? <laughs> and so now we survey the customer and we say, hey, please tell us about your experience with your real estate agent. And so we've been doing that for about two years now. So I have thousands and thousands of customer feedback surveys on local real estate agents all across the I-4 corridor. Wow. And so while I am not going to publish that, I'm not going to make that public. I'm not going to create a witch hunt or call anybody out. Uh, but if, an, if a customer calls here and wants us to recommend a top-notch real estate agent, I've got the best database in the planet to do it. Because here's a couple of differences with us. One, those surveys can't be faked. Because guess what? I know whether or not you just bought a house through Susie the Realtor because I financed it. You know? I know. So I know you're really the consumer and you're not Susie's cousin trying to give her a positive review. This is one of those places the big Z falls short because they'll let anybody review anybody. And so there are agents out there who go from internet cafe to internet cafe, logging in positive reviews about themselves to try to boost their numbers. Nobody can game my database. Right. It's my customer. I know who they are. I've seen their ID. I've seen their credit <laughs> report. I've seen their pay stubs, their W-2s, their tax returns. I know their entire life history. And so I know who they are. I know they're being honest with me when they privately give me a survey and a review on their experience with their real estate agent. And so we have compiled all of this data. And I will tell you, no one else out there has data like this. All right? Because again, you got to remember, folks, the real estate agent doesn't always pick RP funding. right? The consumer does. And so the real estate agent may have a best buddy who's in the mortgage business or whatever else. We see all real estate agents. We see everyone because the consumer is choosing RP funding. So what normally happens is, you know, one real estate agent, they send all their business to one lender and they just keep seeing each other. And so Susie at the mortgage company always sees Johnny at the real estate company and they, they're a little team and they always do business together. See, I get to see everybody because all of a sudden one day one of Johnny's clients says, well, hey, Johnny, I'm not using Susie. I'm using RP because he's got no fees and great service and he's going to take care of me. And right. so I get to see surveys on thousands of the local real estate agents. So I know who the really good ones are. <laughs> I know who the really bad ones are. And while I will not publish that data, uh, we are happy to recommend and connect you with one of the great ones based on that data. And so if you call in here and you're going through the pre-approval process, just let your loan officer know that you would like for them to connect you with a highly rated Based on my surveys, my proprietary data, my rock solid data, my verified data, who the best real estate agent is for you, we're happy to make that introduction. All right. 855 773 8634. That's 855 RP funding. 855 773 8634. Call us right now. Get pre approved for that home loan. Start yourself mm -hmm. down the road to home ownership. We'll introduce you to the right real estate agent. We'll take care of you every step of the way. And if you're looking to refinance, if you've got a high interest rate, you need to pull some cash out and pay off some credit cards, you want to shorten your term, whatever you need to do, if it involves refinancing your home loan, make us one of the stops on your shopping around journey. 855-773-8634, 855-773-8634, that's 855-RP-FUNDING. And that number, in case you missed it, is 855-773-8634, that's 855-773-8634. There you go. Call that number. You're going to find out what real customer service is all about. Well, let's uh, let's keep on our little conversational track of savingthousands.com. So we've gone across the top of the homepage. Let's scroll down a little bit. And there, there you're going to find eight windows. Now, these eight windows are really the openings to all the information you'll need about different topics. And in other words... There's an opening for personal finance, credit cards, credit scores, mortgages, banking, loans, financial zombies, and homeownership. So that's eight, right? So on any one of those that you click, let's say you click on credit cards. Well, then you will be directed to a page that has articles on it, informed articles by our staff. You'll be able to listen to radio shows about that topic, credit cards, and you'll also be able to read some of the Ask RPs. Names omitted, of course. 
But that way, each one of those avenues takes you to all the information you need so that you are then totally educated on that facet of the economy. Sounds pretty cool, right? Well, over the years, Robert Palmer's processes, Robert Palmer's ways of doing business have really taken the company, RP Funding, to the top of its game. And now, Robert, even perfect strangers in the real estate industry will contact you and ask you to bail them out of a loan that's going south and may not close on time. That can cause big problems, but RP Funding's bailing out people they don't even know. Yes, I would say I probably get uh, I probably get two to three most most real estate agents now that don't know me con- mm-hmm. they contact me through Facebook, right? You know, so my my email address is in public record and you know mm-hmm. whatever. So the the number one way that I found that real estate agents will 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 contact me is they'll message me through Facebook. And so like every day or night I'll kind of go in there and I'll have a couple messages. I would say probably three a week I get from strangers from real estate agents that I've never met before asking me to bail them out on a deal oh, because another lender dropped the ball in the 11th hour. And I love to do it. I'm happy to do it. And we end up building long-lasting relationships mm-hmm. with these agents because they, they see what we can do. And a lot of times it's because the listing agent, you know, the person who represents the seller, is frustrated by the fact that the buyer's lender is failing to perform, that they, they deny mm-hmm. them at the last minute, they can't get the deal done, you know, whatever it is. And, uh, and so, you know, we pick up the ball. And so what happens is the listing agent will say, hey, Mr. Buyer's agent, you know, real estate agent representing the buyer, your guy just dropped the ball. Why don't you try RP funding before we just cancel this deal and and give everybody their money back and we start over? And so then what will happen is that buyer's agent will then go contact me on Facebook and be like, hey, Robert, uh, the <laughs> listing agent told me to reach out to you. Can you bail us out on this deal? At which we do. We, we had one this week, Rob. Check this out. Uh, this other lender denied it. And the only reason it got denied is because that lender's rates and fees were so egregious the customer couldn't afford the house. There and so go. what they were trying to do is they were trying to get them to buy a cheaper homeowner's insurance policy. And, and so then they so they could fit in their fees and their high rates. And and what happened is there just there wasn't a cheap enough homeowner's policy out there for this particular house. Like, oh, you got to be able to get the insurance down. I think the number was like under five hundred dollars. And if you can't do that, then we can't approve your loan. Well, the only reason they needed such a cheap insurance was because they were charging them so much for fees <laughs> and for interest rates. And so that one was like a slam dunk for us. I mean, we got that one over. And because we have mm-hmm. no fees and our rates were better than that competitors, uh, we were able to prove that deal no problem. And we're going to get cool. that one closed in no time. I had another one this week. This was interesting. The The person was uh, was transferring here from another state, going to work for a very, very, very large, reputable company. I mean, you know, if you're going to work for like, you know, somebody I've never heard of, and it's on a new offer letter, a new job. We may be a little skeptical. Mm-hmm. This person was going to work for a Fortune, probably Fortune 1000 company that, that has offices here in Orlando. And so I'm very comfortable with the fact that they have a, I have a, a letter, a job offer letter from a, a Fortune 1000 sure. company. I mean, come on. So we, we took that loan. The other lender would not. Now, again, the other lender knew from day one that this was where the person was going to work. Mm-hmm. And the salesperson with no oversight, right? And we'll get into how at oh, the competitor, man. the sales guy can issue a pre-approval letter with no oversight. So the salesperson with no oversight issues the pre-approval letter, had all the documentation up front, mm-hmm. you know, and then all of a sudden the loan gets into underwriting. And because the underwriter works for someone, you know, the underwriter, they're all at the same company, but they're in different divisions, right? Oh, so the loan officer, he works for the local branch. And then the underwriter, they work for the corporate office out of Wisconsin or Michigan or Minnesota or wherever they are. And, uh, and so the local guy says, yeah, we're going to do your loan. We're going to do your loan. And then he sends it up to the corporate office in Michigan or Minnesota or whatever. And they're like, we're not going to do your loan. We're not going to do your loan. We're not going to do your loan. Ooh. And again, so this one got declined. And so we we picked out the ball. And the thing is, these are super high quality loans. I don't understand why the other companies are denying them. And I don't understand why they're not asking the right questions. But then we do see other loans. So out of the probably, out of the ones I get every week, there's one or two where they just never should have been pre-approved in the first place. Oh and so someone will reach out and say, hey, Robert, I got this deal. Can you take a look at it? You know, you've saved me on two or three. And, and yeah, we, we can save. We save a lot. But then we do get those ones where some other lender pre-approved them. And then I look at it, and I'm like, they just never, they never even close to qualified. I can't, uh-huh. I can't do anything to help you here. You know, and I'm sorry. They should have, the best thing that you could have had done was us, for to tell, us to tell them no up front so you wouldn't have all wasted all this time and money sure. on inspections and appraisals and and all this you know garbage that you've been through and uh, and so that that's it that's why our pre-approval process is what it is and here's how we do it and this is what makes it so different and i know how everybody else does it because we did it the same way in the early days right you know in the early days just like everybody else uh, our loan officers you know our licensed loan originators they would issue the pre-approval right 
Now, let me tell you, uh, in the mortgage business, uh, loan originators are not really graded or scored or hired based on how good they are at approving loans. <laughs> you know, they are hired based on how good they are at selling loans, at originating right. loans. Underwriters, in a totally different department, they're the ones who we, we pay attention to and, and really watch the quality of their decisions. And so we all do it this way, and we used to do it this way. We don't need more. But for whatever reason, we would let the, so, the sales guy, the sales guy would issue the pre-approval all by himself or herself. Come on. Nobody else looking at it. Nobody else reviewing their work. Like, this is how it still happens at, at I would say, 95% of all mortgage companies. The sales guy just gets to issue the pre-approval with no oversight. And a lot of times, some companies don't even have access to those files. Like, you've got the the, the sales guy has your file, like, on his personal laptop, uh-huh. and he's issuing pre-approval letters. And the main lender, the lender who actually is going to lend you the money, has no idea he's even done this. And, and so what happens is a lot of these pre-approvals get denied. And so I saw a statistic that across the board for the Mortgage Bankers Association – uh, something like uh, 71% of of loans that are that are pre-approved ultimately get approved. Now we're in that we're in the mid 90s on ours. Right. So that means somebody else out there is in like the 50s and 60s bringing down the average, right? That's right. And so uh, and, and so this is what we see. So it all depends on that oversight. So we have oversight. One because all of our loan officers, our sales guys, work in the office. They're all networked, so we can see what they're doing. We can see when they issue a pre-approval. And then what we do is we have our validation team inside of our underwriting department go behind them and double check their work and make sure that the pre-approval really should have been issued. This is called oversight. It's a I, check and balance, you know? And I, I had a loan officer once upon a time that just issued a bunch of bogus pre-approvals. This was back in like 2000. Uh, this is, God, this was like in 2008, 2009. Uh, it was in the early days. It was when we first opened. Yeah. You know, we first got going. And this loan officer issued some bogus pre-approvals and and, you know, those deals did not get approved. And so we learned our lesson from that. We learned our lesson right then. And so I immediately put steps in place. So here's the things that we do that nobody else does. Uh, one, our credit reporting company, all right? So we actually have algorithms. We had these scoring algorithms written hmm. that read the credit report. So in addition to just giving back a credit score, it gives back these red flags. So if the consumer has a foreclosure, a bankruptcy, uh, deferred student loans, uh, if they have a collection or charge off too recently, any of these things, we've set these triggers and thresholds in place. Uh, the system will actually flag those, hmm. and it will not let the salesperson issue the pre-approval until someone in the validation team has reviewed that file and flagged it to move forward. Wow! So we actually have, we actually have hard stops in place mm-hmm. when it comes to those. And then for someone with really good credit, if you have like a seven, you know good credit scores, good solid job. The loan officer can issue you the pre-approval, and then we check their work after the fact as a part of the validation team. Uh-huh. So either way, cut it, there, there, there's oversight. So the, the files that, that are riskier, we're checking before we let them issue their pre-approval. And then the files that aren't as risky, we're checking after they issue the pre-approval. And if we find something wrong, then we can immediately contact all parties and say, hey, I know we pre-approved you a couple days ago. However, through the validation process, we have determined that you do not actually qualify. Well, better to get that news two days after getting your pre-approval mm-hmm. than two days before you go to the closing table, right? So that's what we've been able to put in place. And and since we did this, we went from industry average closing ratios to one of the highest pull-through rates in the industry because we now have the strongest pre-approval in the industry. The other thing that's happened since we did that is our pre-approval is now accepted more times on FHA contracts. So these are contracts where the buyer is getting an FHA loan than any other pre-approval in two counties in Central Florida. That's Orange and Seminole mm-hmm. County because that's where the real estate agents know that we have the strongest pre-approval in the industry. And so when they get that cash offer and then they get the conventional financing offer and they get the RP funding FHA pre-approval offer, they know that FHA pre-approval is solid because it came from mm-hmm. us. And so they accept their offers more. And that's why we have the most FHA loans in those counties because our pre-approvals get accepted the most, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that, that's how it all works. And so, you know, the funny thing is, Rob, when I did this, I spent all this money and I had to hire this team. I mean, this this takes staff. Yeah. You know, most mortgage companies are like, oh, we need we need one underwriter per two hundred and seventy three point eight loans, and you know, and it, which we don't we don't work that way. And the reason they have to do that is because they're paying too much commission up front to their sales guys. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other discussion for what's broken about the rest of the mortgage industry. But just know this. It cost me money, right? I had to go out and hire extra underwriters. We had to beef up the underwriting department. We had to create this validation team. And in the beginning, I'm like, man, this is going to cost me a lot of money, but that's okay. I will eat it because it's important to me that we have this. But what we found is because we're not wasting our time working on a bunch of people's loans that don't really qualify, Mm -hmm. it's actually saved me money. Nice. So hiring these extra underwriters and putting these extra people in the underwriting department on the validation team, all these steps we took 
actually have saved me money because mm-hmm. we're not wasting our time working. Because, you know, we, we had to order the appraisal and we've got to do all this work and we're ordering yeah. tax returns and verification. <clears throat> all this stuff costs money. And so I was wasting two to three hundred dollars every time we would have to deny a loan at the last minute just in hard costs, plus all the staff costs for the hours we worked on it. Plus, I usually had to end up refunding money for hotel rooms or whatever else because we screwed up on the deal, right? And yeah, so by not sure. doing any of that anymore, it's actually saved us money by instituting this validation team, something I thought was going to cost me money. So now we've been able to see cost savings and have the strongest pre-approval in the industry. And more and more real estate agents are realizing it. More and more of them know it because they're seeing it. They see that our deals close. And that's the key. That's what everybody mm-hmm. wants. They want to know that when push comes to shove, our deals are going to close. And the thing that uh, we were talking about with this real estate uh, owner was the fact that when you you walk into a seller's uh, kitchen and you say, okay, uh, we've got these we've got these offers on the house, but this one from RP closes more than anyone else. So let's put it at the top. And then it's a pretty easy transaction from then on. And chances because you are, close. And the chances are the seller probably already knows it because they hear me talk about it on the That's radio right. or see me talk about it on TV. And their neighbors you know? have had a good experience. Yeah, you know, so when the real estate agent's like, oh, we really like ABC Mortgage, and the, the seller's kind of like, I've never heard of them. When the real estate agent's like, yeah, we've got this offer here, and they're using RP funding for their financing. And then the seller's like, yeah, I've seen that guy on TV. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, we're going to take that offer. Because you got to remember, people, like, people are people. You know, the the person who is deciding if you win that house or not is a human being just like yourself. Mm -hmm. So put yourself in their shoes. If you're sitting at the table and you're about to make the decision to sign a contract and take your house off of the market for the next 30 days, waiting for this person to close, and then you're going to go buy another house pending this deal closing, you want to feel real comfortable that the pre-approval letter, right, put yourself in that seller's shoes, and what are you more likely to accept? The RP funding pre-approval or the ABC 123 never heard of a mortgage pre-approval? Uh-huh. I mean, the, the choice is clear, and the buyers who understand that are having success by having their pre-approval and their offer accepted and getting the house they really want. So now you understand why the pre-approved, validated pre-approval that Robert puts into effect, why that is so important and why more companies are, aren't doing that, I have no idea. But as long as RP funding is leading the league, continues to bail out some of those real estate companies that don't use RP funding, well, I guess you, the consumer, are going to be the winner in the long run, right? Just keep in mind, pre-approvals, RP funding, they go right together. Well, that's just going to about close out the show. I do want to direct you to some of the most popular articles that you are reading. These are articles that you have made popular on the Saving Thousands site. One is how to deal with debt collectors. Number two, the best ways to find great deals and save money all the way from the grocery store on up. Number three is the new TRID regulations from the federal government. This article explains those and tells you how easy it is to get the loan approved from RP Funding since they're way ahead of the game on this. And the final one I want to point out to you is some consumers might be at risk with these new chip-related credit cards. You know the ones I mean? The new ones you're getting in the mail right now? They sound great, but there may be some pitfalls. That article looks into that. Until next time, I hope that you, your friends, your family, everybody in your universe is saving thousands with Robert Palmer.